Welcome to episode 178 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we preview week one of the NRL final series. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 178 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T, and joining me is Tish. Tish, we are at the finals. Are you excited? Are you pumped? Oh, yes. Yes, I am absolutely excited. My bags have been checked in, and I'm uh, just about to head through immigration. I'm getting to that waiting area. And ultimately, you know, taking off for the grand final very, very soon. But look, I'm pumped. I'm excited. The regular season has finally turned around. What? What? Look, I've got to say, congratulations to the NRL. Firstly, of getting through 20 rounds. Um, you know, after the, you know, after the COVID break, um, they've managed to. You know, there've been a couple of like, you know, close calls, but they've been able to keep the competition running. And we finally got to finals. So I think an amazing achievement by everybody in the NRL just to just to get to the finals in 2020. Uh, uh, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, look, I agree with you, Tish. I, I got to say, look, let's let's give a virtual round of applause. Uh, insert pause here for yes. insert 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 pause here for um, an auditory uh, sample of a of a fake clapping audience, <laughs> but. But look, uh, well, let, let's just say it's a it's a it's a typical NRL virtual virtual crowd clapping yes, from from yes. virtual reality. Um, I have to say that you're right. I think uh, we, uh, you know, they said you couldn't make it NRL, but you finally mm. came through. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Was that the was that the the Foster's jingle from the eighties? I don't know. I feel like there's a or Tui's. It's a Tui's. Uh, no, we're not sponsoring us, of course. But look, um, they did it twenty rounds. The first professional league to I would have to say of any sport in the world that has successfully come back with, uh, if anything, like of all the you know, and I do follow some of the other sports as well as most of you guys would out there as well. The mm. uh, you know NBA, NFL, whatever, but I don't think there's been uh, any professional sport that has actually improved upon, yeah. upon its return from COVID. And I'm talking about mm. you know managed to sort out its finances, clear out some of the deadwood, <laughs> renewed its leadership, um, improved mm. the rules, improved the spectacle, got Absolutely. improved TV ratings. Mm. Um, I mean, where do you want to? Like, obviously, the crowd is not an issue because of the limitations, but they've done so well, and they were the first real, you know, big professional league to come back uh, from the COVID. Uh, I guess you know, global kind of shutdown early in sort of March, April, and here we are. Now we've finished a season, and and ladies and gentlemen, twenty rounds. Let's not forget when we've spoken in the past about how you know modifications to the uh, the league to allow us to account for more teams 
to have a bigger international calendar, all that sort of stuff. We have been talking about, you know, teams playing each other once, uh, you know, um, so you don't get home and away kind of thing. You just get teams playing each other once. So you are talking about around about 20 or so games in a season. Now, this is what it feels like, (laughs) 20 games. Feels shorter than what we're used to, but I think that's because we've had a very long season usually. Um, But this is kind of the point is that I think after 20 rounds, in fact, I I could have called this, I would have called this a few few rounds ago. Mm. We were kind of over it. We wanted to get on with the finals, didn't we? Yeah, exactly. And we knew what was going to happen. We, We kind of knew. Like the point of the regular season is to, you know, sort out the the cream from the rest, and and you kind of know who the top teams are. You just want to see them at the mm. pointy end, and you want to see who's the best. So let's yeah. get let's get right into it. You know what I mean? So that's what I, that's my attitude. Um, I know that that's your attitude as well, Tish. Uh, it's it's been a weird season, but yeah, look, congrats NRL, but also, you know, who knows? Maybe this is going to be the new normal going forward. Yeah, I think so too. I think some people talked about, well, if State of Origin is a success this year after the uh, grand final, maybe they should consider this for future years. But I think they also need to look at, well, you know what, like in many ways if ratings have gone up, if, you know, if uh, excitement levels have been, you know, at its peak, uh, you know, if if interest in the sport, you know, trending topics, I don't know, uh, AdWords searches, SEO matrixes all these sort of things if it shows positive that a 20 round season has over the 25 round season well you know maybe getting to a 15 round season which means that every out of 16 teams you pay the other 15 so you know maybe that's not too far off uh and i think that would make sense uh because we, we can get more sport in so i think i think there is a lot to learn from uh, you know, from from what we've experienced in this season of the NRL, and I think the positive thing is is that the new management seems to be a bit more uh, open to looking at things. I think there's been a lot more ideas uh, spread across the NRL. Uh, you know, I think they've kind of been forced to do it, uh, but I think that's kind of been a positive, and I think it's kind of good to see that. Like, you know, there, you know, there's no. Uh, problems with experimenting, which we found out in round 20 as well, some of the experimental uh, rule changes and things like that. So, you know, I think in the past, the NRL could have been accused uh, of, being, of being a bit too conservative, of being a bit too sort of, uh, you know, scared to try and make uh, too many changes. And I think this year uh, we've had so many changes and at the end of it, Rugby League has actually benefited out of the whole thing. So, uh so yeah, so look, I think we've got a we've got a packed show today. It's got to be said, you know, we're going to be previewing some of the finals, and uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about. So, uh, do you think we should dive straight into it, there, Doctor? Yeah, let's get into it. So here we go with the six tackles and tackle number one. All right, so we are going to wrap the final round, uh, round twenty of the regular season. Uh, so here we go. The first, uh, the first game was the Cowboys defeating the Broncos 32 to 16, which confirmed, uh, that the Broncos, uh, have received for the first time ever, the wooden spoon, Mm -hmm. uh, in its, uh, how many years has it been? 32 year history in the, uh, in the, in the top league. Uh, Mm. look, 
a, a team that is synonymous with success, but this year has shown anything but a successful approach. Unfortunately, uh, they've had lots of lots of issues. Obviously, lost their coach as well. Um, but yeah, wooden spoon. I think you know the story should be about how the Cowboys avoided <laughs> the spoon as well. Um, but but really, it is about the fact that the Broncos, uh, you know, were never really in it, and uh, and and yeah, so they they were confirmed with the wooden spoon. So uh, Tish, uh, any quick thoughts about uh, about the Broncos and that game? Yeah, well, look, the Broncos uh, they've actually announced today that Kevin Walters will uh, be the new coach, uh, which kind of puts Queensland Origin in a little bit of a spin. I've got to say with. Uh, you know, uh, the Origin Series yet to come and, uh, you know, uh, having to share the coach with Brisbane. Uh, but, yeah, look, disappointing season for both teams. Uh, but, you know, the Cowboys have got, I think, a bit more to play with and with Brisbane. Yeah, they've got to start again, start from fresh. And, uh, yeah, and this is one of the games where they experimented with a few of the rules. And I think we did actually see the Hammer uh, get disallowed a try. Uh, the ref actually said it was a try, but then... You know, the match review committee, uh, you know, in that short period before the the kick were able to, uh, you know, overturn the decision. Um, so, which was kind of exciting, I've got to say, to see uh, that happen. And I think there was a, I think they kind of used, I think we even saw the first 2040 attempt, um, you know, of the year experimented out and uh, they didn't actually, they didn't actually score, oh, sorry, they didn't actually get the 2040 but they nearly scored a try off it as well. So very, very interesting, uh, the Cowboys with some of the stuff. So it was kind of an exciting game, even though it was team, uh, you know, what, 15 versus team 16 or something like that. Very, very lowly ranked teams. But, uh, yeah, inter- inter- you know, disappointing for both teams, but I think the Broncos are probably more disappointing than the, than the Cowboys. All right, the next game, uh, you know, look, it, every single one of these games has a story to it. So, you know, yeah, exactly. this is, we'll, we'll spend a little bit more time than we have been, but uh, not too much. But I uh, look, the Titans 36 to six over the Newcastle Knights who are finals bound. And actually the Titans, I think it was their fifth win in a row or something like yes. that to finish off they, the season. Yeah. They ended up coming ninth. So as we predicted, the best of the rest, mm. but, but what's more interesting is that, uh, you know, drum roll, please. They were, only two points out of the top eight. <laughs> so even <laughs> though, and they ended up with, you know, like 117 negative for and against, but they were only two points behind the Sharks mm. in terms of yeah. wins, uh, having won nine uh, and lost 11, and the Sharks were 10 and 10 on uh, ending up on 20 points. So one win out of the eight is not to be sniffed at. What's more, also not to be sniffed at is the way they demolished the Knights, who came yeah. in a pretty respectable seventh, uh, who are going to be facing uh, red-hot Rabbitohs in uh, the fin- the first week of the finals. But, um, yeah, Titans uh, ended up creating a, a story uh, of their own to finish off, uh, you know, a semi-fairy tale, an almost fairy tale, shall we say, to use our terminology. Um uh, you know, thirty-six to six. Uh, uh, it wasn't even close. And Tish, uh, the Titans, <coughs> promising times ahead. Yeah, I've got to say, uh, I've got to say, late starters uh, in this year series. They <laughs> left their run a bit too late. Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, but five in a row is uh, no, you know, no small feat. And look, they've kind of, if you think about, it, if uh, the Titans they actually beat the seventh team Sharks. 
Um, you know, and they have beaten some other top eight teams, unlike the Sharks, who have not beaten any top eight teams and are in the top eight. So, you know, it would have been a bit more interesting to see if the Sharks were, if the Titans, with their winning form, could have actually made it, but that's not to be. Um, so, yeah, so look, uh, I think, look, yeah, good positive signs, and I think we'll talk about Newcastle a bit later on anyway. All right, now, this is probably one of the biggest stories of the entire year. <laughs> The traditional Sydney rivals, Rabbitohs and mm. Roosters, um, I think this one took everyone by surprise. The Rabbitohs absolutely demolished the Roosters 60 points to 8. And Tish, there is a rumour going around that Rabbitohs fans worldwide will be uh, officially petitioning for a a change to um, the, the the way we say our the time. And so uh, 7 o'clock, whether it's 7 a.m. or 7 p.m., officially Rabbitohs fans are petitioning to call it 60 to 8 because <laughs> that was the score. Rabbitohs against the Roosters, 60 points to 8. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, it, it just everything came together for them. And, and Tish, look... <clears throat> I'm not into conspiracy theories, but I really do like. Uh, <laughs> I, do, I must admit, when I, when when it it sort of sunk in what happened, I kind of thought, "Geez, the Roosters are really trying hard to avoid playing the Storm in the first week of the finals, aren't they?" Because, <laughs> they, because by doing that, uh, they put themselves in a position where, uh, you know, the Eels were uh, were were in third, uh, you know. Up until the point, actually, no, they weren't. They were the Eels by. They probably were going to win against the Tigers, and so by winning, expecting to win against the Tigers, they would have uh, moved to third place, and uh, means that they play the Storm in the finals. And um, you know, I must admit that conspiracy theory did cross my mind. And then I thought, why would you, why would you want to avoid playing the Melbourne Storm in Week One of the finals? Because if you play them in Week One you're guaranteed you don't meet them until the grand final. So, uh, you know, like, at least you know you're not going to get knocked out until the grand final. So I don't know. I don't know what the case is there, but I think the Rabbitohs look full credit to them. Absolutely everything, they put it together. And and it was also a late flurry. I mean, they were doing pretty well. And even with about 20 minutes or so, it was only 30-something to eight. So they really piled on the points in the last 20 minutes or so as well. So... Tish, what did you think about this game? They brought it all together. They brought their A game, or or was it that the Roosters tanked? Well, I've got to say, the Roosters were leading 4-0 after about five minutes. Um, <laughs> right, so, so they did actually score the first try as well. And uh, the other thing that you've got to put in context is that uh, the Rabbitohs had two clear tries disallowed as well. So That's this right, could have, it could actually, have been more, yeah. It could have been a 72 to 8 uh, demolition. That's that's how bad it was. Uh, you know, the other thing I forgot to mention about the uh, Cowboys Broncos game is that um, unbelievably, Kyle Feltz had actually scored a hat trick uh, to put himself as top try scorer uh, for the uh, you know for for the, for the regular season. Uh, but unfortunately, in this game, um, uh, sorry, uh, what's his name? Johnson. Uh, Alex Johnson. Yeah. Alex Johnston scored five tries, yeah. right, to actually become the leading try scorer by two. Uh, you know, so, you know, snatching that away 
And on top of all of that, uh, you know, that, I think he's the first ever player to score two, five, uh, you know, to score five, five tries try in games. two games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think this is like, uh, and I think he's done it like in another season as well. So absolutely remarkable uh, sort of thing. Their attack was humming. You know, there was a there was a beautiful try from Cody Walker where he, uh, you know, where uh, I think it was the winger sort of kicked it back into him and then he caught the ball. He had the ball in two hands. There were three Roosters players. One of them was Tedesco. The, another one was Luke Carey, and I can't remember the third player. But all world-class players, and all three of them were running in different directions when Cody Walker had the ball. Um, that's how unbelievable he was in this game. He kind of um, – he was memor- – uh, yeah, he, basically every play that South Sydney did um, something in, Cody Walker was in it, and he just had the wood over um, – the Roosters so much so that he's probably in line to be the 5-8th for um, New South Wales, even though he kind of failed at that job last year. He's, he, out of nowhere, has put himself into contention. So 6-8, to the eight, you know, the other thing they kept mentioning is that, um, you know, no team has uh, conceded more than 50 points in a game during the regular season and have gone on to win, uh, you, know, win you know, win the premiership um, in the history of the NRL. Uh, in the history of the league, um, so that is uh, so that is the Roosters now have to break history to be able to to win, and uh, you know, and I think they even said that the you know I think forty nine to thirty was like when Newcastle won that they, they lost the game forty nine to thirty. So um, yeah, very very uh, yeah, kind of kind of an unbelievable thing. Uh, the other thing is this is actually the 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 biggest um, deficit that South Sydney has beat, beaten the Roosters by to the point where there was only two minutes to go, and this is one of the greatest scenes of the NRL. Um, you know, there was, sorry, the last play of the game, um, you know, the, uh, the uh, Rabbitohs got a penalty, and uh, normally in this sort of situation, you might run for a try and all that kind of stuff, but the entire crowd was shouting 2-2-2 two, 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 because all of the South Sydney fans knew it, that, uh, you know, if they could kick two points, that they, they would actually break the record for the, the biggest uh, winning margin against the Roosters. So, um, you know, what a, what a great day to be a South Sydney Rabbitohs fan. I've got to say, what a great night it was for them. Um, but unfortunately, it's kind of a double-edged sword, sword a little bit because you've had such a great emotional victory. And now you've got to come down and now you've got to prepare for next week's Southern death because uh, that's the situation the Rabbitohs are in. And I also think, um, you know, this is a, a pretty – Pretty heavy motivation for the Roosters to play well uh, against the Panthers as well. So, um, although this score is completely unbelievable, um, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's going to. It's going to be interesting ha- how both teams bounce back for um, you know this week's finals games. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing, my understanding was that this. Uh... This these games involving you know, this game was kind of inconsequential for the Rabbitohs as well because regardless of their their, uh, their performance uh, whether they won or lost they would still have played the Knights. Yeah, that's true. But uh, what has happened is that I believe that they were able to flip um, the the home game. So I think they were going to go away uh, to play the Knights, but now they're actually playing the Knights at home. Uh, because because I think for and against as well as um you know exactly uh, yeah. you know, the Knights lost to the Titans so uh, by by thirty points so 
you know, so it's kind of a bit of a, it's almost what, uh, 30 plus, almost a, almost a 90 point turnaround, right, for these two teams. So, yeah, yeah so pretty, pretty, pretty unbelievable uh, results in these back to back games. You know, the other thing is uh, probably the Knights were probably traveling back to Newcastle while this game was going on. They would have turned on their phones and they would have realized <laughs> uh, what they're in for. It would have been quite scary. <laughs> like, you reckon they got home and started to uh, sew their <laughs> Mad Monday costumes? <laughs> they probably thought this is uh, going to be over, boys. But yeah, well, um, anyway, look, I said it was uh, definitely the talking point of the round and of the year so far, I would say, in terms of this completely took me by surprise. I had no, you know, in terms of what you're playing for, I would mm. not have expected them to, to basically provide, uh, deliver us perfection just before the final series. It's up to them yep. to, to continue that and to make sure they they deliver it when it counts and not just against yep. their traditional rivals, the Roosters. So, well done, Rabbitohs. Speaking of surprises, yeah. there was no surprise. No surprise in the next one. Uh, Panthers 42-0 over the Bulldogs. Not much more to say, but again, the Panthers confirmed as the minor premiers uh, and did it with ease. And... Uh, any quick points there before we move on to the next one, Tish? Oh, well, well, nothing except for uh, let's not forget that the uh, Bulldogs uh, beat the Rabbitohs <laughs> the week before. So, <laughs> so I'm totally confused. yeah. So I think the Roosters were were fortunate they didn't play the Bulldogs this week because they would have lost by eighty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I don't know yeah. what all this means. So yeah. Yeah, in the game of uh, NRL rock, paper, scissors, <laughs> it's hard to work <laughs> out what the score would be. But uh, all right, the next one was the Raiders against the Sharks. And this one had a bit of a consequence for the mm. Sharks in particular in terms of... Uh, oh, no, actually, no, it wouldn't have either. I think they still would have yeah, been. No. Um, but as predicted, 38-28, to 28, Raiders over the Sharks. Uh, probably the Raiders would be disappointed they didn't put on a bit more points there, but... Um, mm. They did what they needed to do to get away with the two points, and the Sharks had not much to play for either. A bit of an inconsequential match as far as I'm concerned, but yeah. um, for a brief, brief moment, the Raiders were in the top four, and yes. they were waiting for this next match, the Tigers versus the Eels. Mm. And for, I would say, you know, a brief period in the second half, uh, first and second half, the Tigers were ahead of the Eels. Um, yes. and we're looking to score an upset. The biggest news out of this one uh, initially was that Benji Marshall's swan song yes. ended up being, or with the Tigers, that is, ended up being mm. a disappointment because he got injured in the first half and got taken off. Yeah. So it wasn't to be, he wasn't able to be on the field to steer them around to the win. And mm. uh, the Eels ended up pulling the, the rabbit out of the hat and ended up winning 28-24. to 24. They did what they needed to do to ensure that they remained in the top four and not just remained, but they leapfrogged both uh, the Raiders and the Roosters and ended up uh, firmly in third position, which I think is fair in terms of the regular season. I think it's fair that they ended up there just behind uh, the Eels, uh, so the, uh, the Panthers and the Storm. Uh, those are the three teams that have done the most damage this year and that have had the most sort of, uh, you know, their turn at, at, at the top spot. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think a fair a fair win. They did what they needed to do. Oh, it was a bit, uh, you know, at times I thought the Eels were just going to 
snatch a defeat from the jaws of victory, but they ended up doing what they needed to do. So I'm happy from an Eels fan's perspective, but it's, uh, you know, it's still too close for my liking. They should have really put the Tigers away. Um, and it took them a while to get into the groove. So a little bit concerning as an Eels fan. Tish, as a Tigers fan, first of all, uh, consolations, uh, condolences. But why, what do you think uh, the Tigers can take from this match? And uh, and you want to uh, – or maybe we'll talk in a minute about the retiring class. But, yeah, what, what, do you, what are your takeaways for the Tigers here? Well, I think they showed uh, that, that they were eight minutes away from winning this game. So, you know, a, a very close victory. It was – yeah, Will Smith scored the last try in the 72nd minute. So, you know, they kind of pushed. They were in the lead. Uh, they had this yeah, game to win. And I think uh, a typical sort of uh, Tigers performance in that they were so close but yet so far uh, sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, look, I've got to say Adam Dewey was a bit of a revelation moving to 5-8 after the injury of Marshall. Uh, you know, he sort of set up um, quite a number of the Tigers tries. Um, you know, so I think that was there. Goal kicking was a bit of an issue for for poor old Dewey. I, I think he got one from six, um, so so not a very good uh, actually two from six. Uh, whereas Moses kicked four from five. So, you know uh, that's basically the difference between the two teams. Mm. And uh, you look a good hitter for Parramatta, I think as well, because uh, you know a, a good close uh, you know victory for them would have been good, and it would have been a bit of a tragedy. You know if they would have lost this game, it would have been. They would have been out of the top four for the first time in the whole season, and it just happens to be after round twenty. That would have been uh, a bit of a gut punch. So the fact that they were able to win, I think, was was good. And look, um, you know, Benji uh, not having a, the best time of it. Um, he actually suffered three injuries in the one tackle because uh, it was a HIA, uh, a rib. Uh, you know, I think he broke a rib cartilage and his knee. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> the walking wounded. Well, he couldn't even walk. You know, it was kind of it was it was pretty bad. So so very unfortunate. But um, you know, let's hope that that uh, you know, if he doesn't play, that um, that the Tigers have a role for him somewhere in the club because I think that would be a good a good sort of thing for Benji anyway. So um, yeah. But then look, uh, sort of confirms uh, Parramatta in the top four, and uh, you know, got a big game uh, you know on this week. All right, and the Warriors. Ended up with their final game of this strange season, <clears throat> forty to twenty-eight winners over the Sea Eagles, mm. which puts them. I'm just confirming. Yep, in tenth uh, position. So they managed to leapfrog their way out of that. Uh, you know that that bottleneck at uh, on fourteen points, just below mm. them. Um, a bit disappointing end of the season for the Sea Eagles. They had so much promise and so many things going well for them, but. Mm. Didn't manage to put it together. Um, but the Warriors, uh, in the most trying of circumstances, you know, a lot of their players <clears throat> being away from their young families, etc. Um, they did very well. And, and a, a sort of fitting uh, kind of end to the season as well. Uh, there was a lot of online love for the Warriors and, and players supporting each other, saying, you know, the sacrifices that the Warriors players had to make really meant a lot for the rest of the team, for the re- uh, the rest of the, the competition, I mean. Um, so bear that in mind when you're thinking about, you know, the fact that the Warriors, with all their superstars, didn't quite make it to... Um, <clears throat> didn't quite make it to the, the finals, as we expected they would. But given the circumstances and the tough situation on these players and their families, um, 
they made huge sacrifices and now they can go back to New Zealand to be with their family. So, uh, mm. you know, let's keep that in mind when we're talking about just a game. It is It has kind of torn families apart a little bit for the season. So well done, the Warriors. And I think, uh, is this a game where, uh, well, we did, you know, uh, we'll talk about it in a minute, but Adam Blair retired and one of the interesting things was a bit of a viral moment where the Kiwi players from both teams uh, did an, an impromptu Harker as a farewell send off to Adam yeah. Blair, which is a beautiful, touching moment, uh, mm. and uh, very much appreciated. And again, this is what we love to see. And so, um, well done to the Warriors. They did what they needed to do. They performed well in their final hit out for the season. Uh, unfortunately, disappointment for the Manly uh, fans, but um, it is what it is. And uh, Tish, what are your thoughts about this game before we go to the last one? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, the Warriors, uh, one of the reasons why the NRL were able to finish the season uh, was because of the involvement of the Warriors in the sacrifice. They made out of all the clubs, they made the biggest sacrifice. Um, so, look, they didn't make the finals this year, but I think uh, a tribute, a nice tribute to Adam Blair as well. And, you look, Manly, they were one of the teams that finished in the top eight last year. So, like Brisbane, uh, you know, they've, they've bowed out of the eight. Not as bad season as the Broncos, but I think a pretty disappointing season for them. And, uh, yeah, Adam Blair, he's had a great career and great to see that Harker. I forgot, you know, we kind of forgot Dr. T to mention also that in the uh, in the uh, Gold Coast Titans uh, Newcastle game, um, you know, Aiden Guerrero was, you know, uh, for his swan song, there was an impromptu Macarena done by the uh, Spanish uh, <laughs> element of, uh, of the NRL uh, playing community. So uh, I think we missed that one as well. So, yeah. And uh, Mitch Alderson, you know, a bit of Roy Alderson uh, rock and roll as well uh, during the Roosters game. So, yeah. That was beautiful. And, you know, a rendition of La Bamba as well out in the fans, <laughs> in, in, out in the crowd, um, you know. And, you know, all we got to say to Aiden Guerra is soy capitan, soy capitan. <laughs> well right. done. Congratulations. But, look. Final game. Uh, this one took me by surprise as well. The mm. Dragons, after the season they've had, defeated the Storm on the eve of the finals, 30 points to 22. Uh, a bit of a farewell to, uh, is it Tyson Frizzell, who's uh, heading to, where's he heading to again? I keep forgetting. Uh, he's heading somewhere, but he's leaving. Warriors. Is he heading to the where? The Warriors? Yeah, he is. Oh, there you he's go. Going to the war- yeah. <laughs> there you go. But he's leaving the Dragons uh, and, you know, maybe it was a special, maybe they pulled this one out of the hat for for Tyson as well, Mm. who's been a real kind of, um, you know, uh, bit of a a rock for for that team for many years. You know, he was, Mm. uh, if we remember when the Blues ended up winning in 2014, he was in the origin, he was uh, one of the key players. In that, mm. in that squad, and he's been, uh, you know, a, a very important part of the Blues squad uh, the entire time since then, and for the Dragons as well. Unfortunately, they haven't seen much success, so he has he hasn't had he hasn't seen much success at the Dragons, but uh, but he has uh, he has been there through thick and thin. So uh, yeah, Dr- Dragons defeating the Storm. Did you see this one coming? No, I, don't, I, don't, I did not see this one coming. Uh, that's why we all tipped the storm, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> By the way, but look, um, yeah, look, unbelievable. But they were arresting quite a lot of players. 
Um, just thinking about this in terms of the top four, you know, I know we've, I know we've talked about how sort of, you know, there's been sort of a bit of a, um, you know, we've kind of knew who the top teams were from, from pretty much like the middle of the season. That, that is true, but I think there is a bit of unpredictability in the eight that we've got at the moment. If I think about this, you know, team number one, the Panthers, they completely demolished the Bulldogs, right? The Storm narrowly lost to the Dragons. The Eels narrowly beat um, the Tigers, and the Roosters were demolished by the Rabbitohs, and that's your top four. Um, you know, four very contrasting uh, results for the top four teams. Uh, you know, and then so you've you know the Raiders and Sharks already played each other a lot. You know, this round and now they're playing each other again. Um, so how would that work? It's almost like a dress rehearsal. Um, you know, kind of, and you know the Rabbitohs and Knights obviously mixed form there as well. You know the the Knights were kind of, uh, you know, beaten handsomely by the Titans. And the Rabbitohs, we, we, we found out what they did. So a very bizarre round in round 20 kind of shown you a bit of – there is a bit of unpredictability in the NRL. It kind of shows you the fatigue that these teams are under and how that affects performances. And I think you kind of saw it with Melbourne Thorn. Uh, Melbourne have been pretty bad with their defence. I mean – Last week they beat the Tigers, I think it was 50 points to like 22 as well, right? So they're conceding about 22 points a game, uh, but their attack has been pretty full-on. Sorry, they've been conceding uh, quite, yeah, quite a number of points every uh, every uh, week. So they conceded 30 points this week. Um, so their defense needs a bit of work, I feel, with the Storm. Having said that, though, they seem to be uh, a very good attacking team and um, you know, like they're, they're one of the only few teams that actually have a very good attack in the top eight. So very, very interesting how this game sort of played out. Um, you know, the Dragons, a very disappointing season for them. It's their last game of the season. I suppose they went out on a high. They got a bit of a, uh, a uh, you know, a bashing from their coach last week on their performance. So they sort of hit that strong. And, uh, you know, Anthony Griffin takes over. Yeah, he's got the keys to the Dragons' den and, uh Let's see if he, uh, you know, if he could turn it around or, uh, you know, or uh, maybe he can't seal the deal. All right. So before we move on to the next tackle, it's I think it's mm. worth sort of, uh, we pointed out a few things that, uh, you know, the Broncos have earned their first wooden spoon ever in their history. The other interesting sort of point now as we wrap up the minor minor premiership season is that the minor premiers, Penrith, were the first club since 2012 other than the Roosters and the Storm to be minor premiers. So we've been dominated in terms Mm. of the minor premiership by the Roosters and the Storm, and it's the first time since, uh, you know, in eight years that either of those two teams has won the minor premiership. So congratulations to the Penrith Panthers. The other thing is we've got a bit of a retiring class um, <clears throat> in 2020. Some players that have retired, some that may have uh, slipped the the mainstream media. You know, were it not for the uh, the obviously the, the obvious displays of affection like the Macarena for Aiden Guerra and all that kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> but let's just quickly go through the retiring class and pay our respects uh, to them uh, as they've uh, as they as they sign up for. Uh, um, well, some of them are going to continue playing, but <laughs> let's see how we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those who, uh, so I'll just quickly roll through them. Darius Boyd of the Broncos, Adam Blair of the Warriors, as I mentioned, Gavin Cooper of the Cowboys, Mitchell Orbison from the Roosters will be retiring at the end of this season uh, once the Roosters uh, 
season is finished. Chris Lawrence from the Tigers, Aidan Guerra of the Knights, Joel Thompson of the Sea Eagles, James Graham, obviously, from the Dragons, Tim Glasby from the Knights, Chris McQueen from the Tigers, Jason Bakuya from the Sharks, Shannon Boyd from the Titans, Carrad Holland from the Bulldogs, John Bateman from the Raiders, and uh, Suliazi Vunivalu from the Storm when their season finishes as well will retire. Yeah. So well done to the retiring class of 2020. Uh, yeah. Who knows if we're going to have a, uh, a decision pending from some players who are still alive <laughs> in the Premiership, uh, Cameron Smith, potentially one of them. Who uh, who may make a decision if uh, if a fairy tale ends up happening or not for yeah. him? So uh, and also the Josh Josh Morris and Brett Morris uh, at, from the Roosters. Let's see what happens if they end up winning yeah. the premiership. They might want to retire as well. There's been rumours about a few of these other players, but let's see what happens. Um, yeah. And uh, and yeah, obviously uh, Benji Marshall having left the war- the Tigers uh, is still going to go for around for another season. Uh, as far as we are aware, what's the latest on that? Has he decided on a team yet? Or oh, no, yeah. So look, uh, there is a decisions pending list. Uh, you can find that list in the NRL too. So what this is is a list of uh, players who um, have been released um, and haven't found a club yet. Um, and uh, I think the NRL uh, com has deemed them as maybe uh, a bit old, <laughs> you know, and struggling to find a club because you got Isaac Luke, Jake Friend. I mean, Jake Friend if he uh, you know, the Roosters haven't uh, signed his new contract sort of thing, but uh, I'm sure if he wants to play another season, they will somehow find uh, find room for them in the salary cap. Um, they've been uh, pretty good at managing it for the last eight years. Um, and then, uh, you know, like uh, Tony Williams, I didn't even know that he was still around. Um, yeah. And then look, for the retiring class, you know, you mentioned some players. Some of these players are quite young because they're probably, um, I think Vunavali is actually signed for the Wallabies. <laughs> And some of these players are going to the Super League. Um, so, yeah, so it's a bit of a mixed bag. And um, I think the the one that I want to point out, because I kind of, halfway through the season, trying to figure out where he was, but it's, it's with Shannon Boyd. Um, he actually has a medical retirement, so I think it's due to concussion. So, uh, you know, it is, it is uh, I, I suppose, a sign of the times. That this, you know, the NRL is, is getting tougher and tougher. The rules have made it difficult, you know, as well. Uh, but I think... Um, it's good that the NRL has duty care, and some of these players, uh, you know, they, they, they have to retire a bit earlier than, the, than what they expected just because of, you know, the the injuries that, um, you know, some of these players have sustained. So, uh, but I've got to say, you know, look, I've enjoyed not just Benji, but some of these great players play the game. You know, Darius Boyd has always been, um, you know, always been in teams I haven't liked that much, but he's shown his class in, in all levels of, of rugby league. So, um, you know, it's uh, we, we're losing quite a number of good players, and uh, you know, this is the merry-go-round of rugby league. We've also seen some very exciting new players this year as well. So, uh, but well done to all these players that are retiring from the NRL in the retired class of 2020. I'm sure they will hopefully get some sort of uh, um, you know tribute to them in the uh, grand final this year. All right, let's move on to our next few tackles are going to be our previews of the week one final series games. So here is tackle number two, Penrith Panthers versus Sydney Roosters. All right, so this is 1v4. Uh, Panthers, obviously, minor premiers. Roosters coming off a shellacking against the the, uh, the Rabbitohs. 
uh, and obviously losers, uh, winners go to week three, losers have to fight another day next week. So they do get a second chance. Uh, so that's the benefit of being in the top four. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, what we see here is, uh, you know, it's hard to kind of tip against the Panthers, isn't it? I mean, the way what we've mm. been seeing is all pointing to the Panthers doing what they need to do. It isn't a sudden death game. So any questions to me about, um, yeah, but this is an inexperienced side in the finals and they haven't, you know, I mean, they've been there before, but they haven't really performed at this level. The Roosters are, you know, two-time winners going for their three-peat, have uh, all the experience in the world. However, (laughs) they don't have Cooper Cronk anymore. And, and this is a key difference uh, with this squad. And they haven't also been setting the world on fire in uh, in the regular season, the Roosters. So even if you were able to put aside the the anomaly of uh, the Rabbitohs game in the final round, it's very hard to tip them in this game, I think, against a red-hot minor premiers who have no reason to be uh, anxious or or, you know, or to choke. You know, in any way, we've seen yeah. Nathan Cleary kind of uh, from the initial hiccups with his uh, personal life, COVID-related personal life, um, and uh, scandals involved there that he was involved in, has kind of um, you know really come of age, I guess, in in the last you know half of the season, uh, and has cemented the Panthers at the top of the ladder and really didn't, they never look like losing that minor premiership, uh, even though, you know, mathematically they, they could have, um, they just never look like losing. And how many was it? 15 in a row wins, something like that. So, um, yeah, Yeah. hard to tip against them. But my question to you, Tish is, uh, what are your tips, but also who are the players to look out for on both sides? Okay. Okay. Well, um, you know, so so firstly, starting off with the Roosters, you know, uh, they're going to come into this game as underdogs, but they only have to travel out to Penrith Stadium, which is going to be a tough assignment for them. But it's not like we're going to play the Storm in Brisbane or slash Sun, Sunshine Coast, wherever that game is going to be played. Um, the other thing is they do actually have some players coming back, you know, who were arrested last week. So Joseph Manu, who is obviously a key, uh, you know, in the in the centres. And he's also going to be key for their, uh, you know, defence. Plus the Morris, I believe uh, one of the Morrises might have been out last week. So uh, I think both the Morris boys have been picked again, which is, uh, you know, sort of coming back in. Um, but what they, and, and also, uh, you know, their forwards, uh, Warrior Hargo's, um, Taki Ho, he, he is back as well. Uh, and then, you know, so Tupanola moves back into the second row. So, that, so there is a couple of changes like that, which, should strengthen their team. Um, but one person they have lost is Jake Friend, um, and I believe he's going to be out for the season now. I think he suffered an injury in the Rabbitohs game. So they've put in, um, you know, Freddie Lusick as well at, at, at number nine, you know, an inexperienced number nine. And, you know, the, the dummy half position is, is a very critical role, particularly now in this six-again era, I suppose, you know, with the uh, – up tempo speed because you really need um, somebody with consistent ball work uh, passing the ball beautifully out from you know from dummy half for the whole eighty minutes and you know the uh, the Panthers are going to get that through Coruscant you know Coruscant has been 
you know, got, got an amazing experience in that position. Um, probably the one position that they have a real big advantage on the Panthers. Um, but I've got to say also, you know, you know, uh, Nathan Cleary, he, he has, he's a big match player. He's, you know, he's sort of uh, been in, uh, involved in, in a few origin campaigns now. He's, uh, you know, sort of led the Blues to victory. You know, I don't know if he's played for Australia yet, but, you know, he's probably very close to playing for Australia as well. And he's been running this team for Penrith. Um, you know, who would imagine, you know, last year they had James Maloney. They weren't able to make it. This year they've had Nathan Cleary and they have been able to do it. And Maloney's a match winner. So, obviously, his his impact into what he's done for this team has really sort of shot, shot, you know, shot out sort of thing. Um so yeah, so I think I think for me, I think I can't really go past Penrith because how could you off the round twenty results? But I don't think they're uh, going to take this game lightly. You know, they've got something to prove as well. Like you know, last year they missed out on the finals uh, quite a bit. You know, they've seen you know even Armin Cleary, their coaches, sort of lashed out against the fans earlier on in the season. They were Tigers fans, but it kind of showed that they do have an us versus them mentality a little bit, a bit of a siege mentality. Uh, but I think for this young side, it's kind of good because they kind of feel that they've got something something to prove. The Roosters are going to feel that way too. Uh, but they're up against a side who, you know, d- they don't know what losing is <laughs> this year. They've only lost one game uh, in the whole season and, and they've drawn one. And, uh, you know, that that's it. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty remarkable um, sort of uh, sort of record they've got. And this is going to be a, a very, um, you know, if, if the Panthers choke a little bit, um, you know, that, you know, obviously we could sort of see that, uh, you know, depending on how they play is probably what we're going to see uh, is going to be how we can sort of predict how they're going to go in the finals. But I think they're going to go well. Um, they've got a bit of a history uh, as well, the Panthers, a bit behind them. I mean, the other two times they've won the minor premiership are the two times they've actually won the title as well. So, um, that kind of shows that this club, they do have a, in their DNA, they do have that sort of thing with that. When they do become minor premiers, they end up winning the, the competition. So um, I've got to say, yeah, I think it's a very tall order for the Roosters. Um, you know, any sort of suggestion that that was, you know, this is going to be a bounce back game. I don't think it's going to, I don't think the Panthers are going to make it easy for them at all. Um, and this is why top four teams make it to the grand final because it's too hard to, back up, back-to-back up against top sides. And the Roosters have probably already felt that, uh, you know, playing the Rabbitohs. So I've got to say the Panthers for mine on this one. Um, and there are my key players, Dr. T. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I think Coruscant, I think you mentioned him before, and I think you're right. His, his uh, role in the resurgence of the Panthers this year is not to be understated. And no doubt the rule changes have a lot to do with that. So... I think Hooker has been a bit of a forgotten, um, you know, mm. um, weapon in in team yeah. in the modern era. And I think the rule changes, you know, you're right. It, it's kind of now creating the need for the kind of crafty, speedy little hooker that can take advantage of the situation. Uh, mm. And and especially when momentum is granted through a six again kind of ruling. You need someone who can take advantage of that. Um, Very quickly, And, and right? you need them to, to work in tandem with the halves. And, and mm. I think uh, the teams that can do that are going to be most successful. This is what we've seen with the, the, the Eels kind of dropping off uh, this year. There's been a bit of a drop-off in, in the halves doing what they need to do. And that's exactly why, because 
you know, there's been a bit of a lack of communication or not taking advantage of uh, of that in the middle. So look for Coruscant, I think, uh, in this game uh, to to shine. Uh, all right, the next game is the Saturday game. Saturday afternoon or, you know, twilight game, 5.40 p.m. at Canberra Stadium or GIS Stadium in Canberra. Uh, Raiders versus the Sharks. The Raiders are at home. Uh, look, I think, again, I can't see the Sharks, um, you know, even though they only lost by 10 points, I do not see them overcoming the Raiders on their home turf. I think even though there are going to be a limited number of people attending due to COVID safe restrictions, I think if they're going to pick one person who needs to be there, it's the dude who blows the Viking horn. Mm. <laughs> they, they need to get, they need to get as the summon as much of the Nordic gods as you can, and get mm. get the crowd pumping because. Uh, in this kind of strange environment with a limited crowd, the crowd can't really carry teams as much when when you've got a limited number. So the Raiders fans last year, they took the NRL by storm with their loud uh, behaviour and their really awesome Viking clap and things like that. So I think if uh, the crowd needs to be a bit of a factor here as well to get the Raiders pumped up, it is a sudden death match. Uh, I don't know if the Sharks have it in them. If there are, if there's going to be anyone from the Sharks that uh, that can do something, it's got to be their halfback Chad Townsend. He's got to put something together for them. He's that's his role to kind of organise them. Uh, I don't know if uh, some of the other players are going to be there to support him. But when you look at the Raiders. Um, you know, I think all they need is to get the focus on players like Papali doing his job up the middle. Uh, you know, as long as you can do that, then you've got Croker and Rapana in the in the backs, who and Cottridge, of course, you know, who can do what they need to do. But I think this will be one in the forwards. I'm looking for Josh Papali to, you know, star in this particular game and to bid goodbye to the Sharks. What about you, Tish? What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, this is a very interesting uh, sort of game because obviously these two uh, teams play each other in round 20 and now they're playing each other again. And, you know, if you look at sort of, you know, the main roster um, that both these teams have, it's a pretty even lineup. But then when you look at the ones, you know, the, the Sharks are actually carrying a few injuries here. No, um, you know, Sean Johnson, uh, which is, I think, their key weapon in attack. So that's really a big a big problem for the Sharks winning over. Um, whereas, you know, uh, you know, George Williams and Jack White are there for the Raiders. Uh, you know, Tom Starling, I don't know much of him. Uh, uh, you know, obviously he's a replacement for, um, you know, for uh, for their uh, star hooker that sort of, you know, got injured at the at earlier in the game, uh, earlier in the season. And you've also got Blake Braley for the Sharks, which probably is probably maybe second finals game. So a bit of inexperience in the in the dummy half role. So and from their forwards, um, look, you know the Raiders have got a really massive forward pack, but there is uh, some firepower with uh, you know Aaron Woods and uh, Fifth Vita coming off the bench as well. So I think there is there's an evenness about this clash, but I think that the Raiders have got just a bit too much. For the Sharks, and I think the crowd won't be a factor. A, obviously, you, you know, COVID restrictions, but B, 
let's not forget, uh, you know, sort of working uh, in Canberra, you know, the Sharks' secret spy, uh, turning over people in Parliament over to the Sharks. But Scott Morrison, you know, Canberra local but Shark supporter, uh, maybe if we hear a Sharks chant during um, GIO Stadium, maybe, maybe, maybe there's been a bit of a... You know, uh, some uh, you know a bit of a conspiracy there. Maybe Scomo's uh, sort of turned the you know, the Canberra Raiders against them uh, to support the Sharks. So that that might be very interesting. So uh, yeah, but look overall, I think that uh, yeah, I think you know the the, the Raiders uh, if they could win this game, uh, hopefully it could lead to a bit of momentum because it would be good to see how they would fare against the top four teams um, in in this sort of uh, you know for. Two, in the next few weeks sort of thing as well. Exactly. All right. Tackle number four is the uh, the Storm versus the Eels. It's a Saturday night game at the Storm's home ground in the COVID world, which is Suncorp Stadium, <laughs> Brisbane. Logically, obviously. <laughs> which we kind of already knew, right? Because, like, they, they kind of are Brisbane too. Exactly. But, you know, as I've said before, the crowd, or lack of, is going to probably play a part here. Because in the past, you know, the Storm and the Eels are very much kind of crowd-dependent teams, especially at home. The Storm are virtually unbeatable at home. In a normal season, I would have said the Storm, you know, would probably be kind of certainties to win this match, given what we've seen of their performances lately. However, it's not a normal world. It's it's they're going to be in Brisbane. Uh, they're gonna they're coming off a, a bit of a shock loss, but an inconsequential loss in a way against the Dragons. The Eels, however, <clears throat> they won, but they would have uh, realised that they were eight minutes away from uh, you know not even having a top four berth, uh, and so hopefully what Brad Arthur is doing is reminding the Eels that. They cannot take any moments for granted here and they need to really play in the moment and not think to the next week, not think to, you know, what the problems are, but focus on what they need to do, focus on their own game. And this is what happened with the against the Tigers and why they ended up winning mm-hmm. is that they ended up having much better discipline, much better focus when they needed it. And, and this is what the Eels often lack is that kind of uh, discipline. Yeah. Partly down to the the youth of uh, of you know the ages of the the spine, um, you know Mitchell Moses. Obviously, he's been he's done a few things. He's played for Lebanon, etc. But he needs to take a leadership role, and he kind of lost the plot there a little bit in the tail end of the season. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that is positive is that Dylan Brown is returning for the Eels, and it's a combination really of Brown Gutherson. Mm-hmm. Moses and Reed Marnie in uh, the lock position, who has actually performed quite well this year in that <clears throat> in that kind of new role for for the hooker this year. Uh, we've seen a lot more of Reed than we probably would have, uh, you know, in in years gone by. But because of the rule changes, his role mm-hmm. has become a lot more important. So look, I'm tipping the Eels not just because I'm tipping with my heart, but I genuinely think. Oh, and the other thing is Reagan Campbell Gillard is coming back as well. Wow. So I think they've got a few minor changes to the squad mm. and those minor changes potentially are 
You know, you've got someone in the 5'8 position. Dylan Brown has had a superb season. Uh, more so, I would say, than Mitchell Moses in terms of steering around this Eels squad. And Reagan Campbell-Gillard has performed very well as well. And he's kind of acted a little bit as like a, you know, the 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 the, the, the sensei of uh, the of the forwards, the, you know, the respected elder. Uh, but also mm. he leads by example. And I think the addition yeah. of these two players will, uh, I think you'll see, and also the fact that it's finals potentially will get uh, a bit of a firecracker into the into the Eels squad. You know, they 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 are a confidence. These young players, they're a confidence based team, and uh, if their confidence is up and and they're aggressive, they can do anything as they showed early in the season. And I think if anything is going to happen, if you're going to ambush the storm at any time and surprise them, it's got to be in week one of the finals when they least expect it. Um, and I think this is it. So the Eels have to put all their cards on the table to get that extra week off to ensure that Dylan Brown and others, you know, recover from injury or, or you know, whatever happens in the game. <clears throat> I'm not in any way discounting the storm, but I think, the Eels have what it takes to win this one, and uh, and I think they will. Tish, what do you think? Well, look, um, you know, firstly, if we start off with the Eels, I think, yeah, Dylan Brown, as you said, he's a very, uh, very important sort of inclusion into the team. Um, I think he's done, you know, obviously with him and Moses, I think both of them uh, this year, when one has played and the other hasn't, they haven't really gelled with their partner that well because I think they do have a very good combination together. So I think that's going to be real positive, particularly in attack. But I think also um, the kicking games kind of complement each other. I think you found with both these players, at times they'll sort of uh, have the wrong option for their fifth tackle or something like that. You know, they've, they've sort of been, uh, you know, defending, 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 and then they'll try like a chip and chase on the last tackle when they get the ball. Like little things like that, which... Um, you know, may, may not make that much sense. So I think having both these, but when, they, when they're both together, I think they're kind of better in terms of their decision-making and things like this, which has helped. Um, and Gutherson, you know, you talked about the Yoda role. Uh, I think Gutherson's got a bit of that with with their spine because he's kind of been the steady chip um, as well, like sort of thing. He's kind of been able to slot into sort of any sort of position. You know, he's always uh, got really good support play. He's the last line of defense. He's, He's very solid out at fullback, and I think um, you know, like when uh, you know when Brown or Moses have been absent from the team, he's had to play more of a five-eighth halfback role himself, which has t- kind of taken away from his game a little bit. So I think Gustafson um, is going to relish having both his halves there as well, and you know he's been a great leader for the club as well. So I think those are all very good positives. I think Reid Barney's work out of dummy half has been very solid. I think he's a very important part of the Eels as well. Um, if you've noticed, um, you know, when in games when he's not dummy half, they get called up for a few forward passes here or there. So I think he's really important in terms of the timing of their attack and the timing of the team. Um, and, look, I've got to say the other thing about the Eels that is a positive is that their way of playing uh, is a very um, – it, it's, it's very sort of disruptive to the way Melbourne – like to handle uh, their, you know, defence because they get a lot of offloads. Um, they've got forwards in the Eels that, that will 
offload the ball um, and they play a very unstructured style, a very, you know, um, this is the moment type style sort of thing. And I think um, Melbourne do struggle to contain that type of attack, you know, particularly when there is a lot of offloads. I think they had something like 30 offloads in the first half against the Tigers. So, you know, Parramatta are always a team looking to sort of offload the ball and looking to sort of break the defence and play in broken play. So I think I think that is going to be a bit of an issue for the Storm. Um, having said all of that, though, uh, and despite their loss, I'm going to have to go with the Storm um, just because, you know, if you have, look at their t- team 1-17, to 17, um, you know, they've all got the experience. They've all had that big match play. They all know how to play for each other sort of thing. Yes, they had a bit of a, a shock loss last week. Um, but, you know, they've been very solid throughout the whole season. Uh, Ryan Peppenhausen at fullback. He's probably, you know, he's probably, uh, you know, you can tell on form, he's been doing better than Tedesco at fullback at the moment. So, you know, a very good player. And, you know, they seem to score very simple tries as well. Um, but because their, their attack when it does, their attack has been humming pretty well. Um, and But they play very simple football and it's quite enjoyable sometimes just to watch their blindside plays and everything like this. You know, if Wonga Blake or um, you know Michael Jennings is at dummy half, they're gonna ha- they're gonna run the blind side. You know, it's it's you can almost see it coming, but they always seem to be able to uh, you know ask the right questions to sort of get the defence um, going, sort of thing. And I think that's where the Eels have kind of struggled as well when they've struggled in defence. Is kind of the decision making between the centres, sort of sort of sorry between the second row of the centre and the and the fullback, you know, those three plays sort of lining up together, um, that their decision-making hasn't always been on the same page in attack. And I think that's the particular area which the Melbourne Storm normally attack. So I think from that reason, I could sort of feel that uh, the Storm will win. And I think the other thing is Jerome Hughes as well. Uh, like, I know he's not a traditional sort of halfback, but he's very good at sort of um, sniffing out opportunities back through the middle. If you look at the Eels, it's got a very big forward pack as well. And I could see them getting tired towards the 30th minute of each half, which would then open up opportunities for Jerome in his running sort of style and Cameron Munster as well on either side, peppering away. So I think the Storm are a pretty solid bet for me on this one. So, uh, look, so sorry, Dr. Taylor, I'd have to disagree. I think uh, for this particular game, I think the Storm might have the edge over the Eels. Yeah, Tish, not surprising at all. <laughs> but you, you definitely... Uh... <laughs> Look, you put together a good argument there, and I can't argue against that. Except uh, I, except I have other, I have, and there are other. Yeah, okay. Let's see what happens, but um. Well, let's see what happens, but it, it, this is probably going to be the probably the, it's it's probably shaping up to be the best game of the round. I'm going to say. Yeah, it's probably shaping up to be the closest game of the round. So <laughs> yeah, let's see what happens. Let's, see what happens, let's yeah. move on to tackle number five. Here we go. All right, so uh, the Sunday game, Souths versus Newcastle. Uh, what is it? Fit, uh, six versus seventh. And again, it's a knockout. And look, I don't think we need mm. to say much more, but I, I will very quickly, based on what we've seen of late, <laughs> based on yep. the momentum, based on the skills that we saw on the weekend, it's very hard to tip against the Rabbitohs, uh, you know, here. I'm looking forward to... It is a home game, but it is at ANZ Stadium. So, you know, most teams have played there and, and it's not really a... You know, when you've got a maximum number of people that, that can fit there, you, you can't really, uh, 
you know, you can't really say that it's going to be a cauldron for the Rabbitohs. It's not going to – the home ground advantage isn't going to do much for them. It's a weird time to play as well, Sunday evening, um, but it is uh, the kind of uh, – <clears throat> Um, hang on, let me just check. Is it Sunday evening? When when are they actually playing? It's uh, I'll just check the actual time. Oh, it's Sunday afternoon, four o five. So it's a little bit earlier than the Canberra match. Um, look, I think the key thing here, and we sort of alluded to it earlier, the key thing I want to see, and I think we will see, is Cody Walker stepping up and taking control of this match. Mm-hmm. And Cody Walker has been for so long a real X factor for the Rabbitohs, and he hasn't really performed, you know, to to a lot of people's expectations. Uh, you know, lately when we've seen the Rabbitohs do well, it's usually it's usually the Damon Cook, D- Damian Cooks of the world and the Alex Johnstons who do what they need to do. Um, obviously, it's more of a team effort when you've got Cameron Murray doing his thing as well. And and you know you've had the Burgess brothers etc. But but the thing that that really I think counts is as we talk about in the spine we talk about having a player you know you need a general <clears throat> who directs traffic and that's what Adam Reynolds does and he do, he hasn't always played that role but I think he's sort of you know evolved into that role but Cody Walker has always been hanging there uh, you know you never quite know how to how to play him if you're playing against the Rabbitohs. It's sort of hard to predict what he's going to do. You do know, though, if you can contain him, you've got a good chance of containing the Rabbitohs altogether. So I think I think potentially, I mean, it, it, it's not that risky that <laughs> to say that, you know, Cody Walker is the X factor here. And, and I think what I'd like to see is that he starts stamping his authority and actually... Uh, wanting to see that it turns it turns into results in the finals games, and I think I think we're going to start seeing that. I think we, we might not see a sixty to eight performance, but we might see another flogging that really shows that, despite the fact that they finished almost equal on the ladder, that uh, really the Rabbitohs deserve to finish a lot higher uh, and and have higher expectations about where they will end up this season. So. That, to me, means that it's going to make an interesting week two of the final series, whoever they, they're they up against. And it'll be interesting to see. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm just going to have a look. But, you know, obviously the Rabbitohs for mine in this one. Tish, what are your thoughts on that? I'm just double-checking who they would play if uh, – uh, actually, I don't know. They're, they're not actually going to sort that out yet. But we'll find out, I think, after the games are done. I thought usually yeah, yeah. there's a there's a pattern, but I can't really find it. But while you give me your views, I'll see if I can find it online. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's something to do with the lowest-ranked loser plays the highest. No, yeah, so the lowest-ranked winner plays the highest-ranked loser or something like that. You know, um, very complicated system. But look, you know, this game um, is is firstly going to be dominated by some some names from the past. There's a Pierce, there's a Sirenin in there, there is a, a Cartwright as well. Um, so I think that that is kind of uh, kind of interesting as well. Some of the mm. some of the you know the, the the sons, the second generations playing here a little bit. Wow. I think what's also interesting is that um, this game is actually uh, you know it's kind of got a. A couple of interesting names. Just you know, we've got two players that have hyphens. 
uh, in their names as well, Herman S.A., S.A. and Jaden uh, Sua. Um, we've also got quite a number of players that have two first names as a name. Um, so, you know, like Corey Allen and, uh, you know, uh, sort of Edric Lee, um, you know, Lachlan Fitzgibbon. Um, you know, that sort a first of name, is it? <laughs> Cody Walker. Well, I think Lachlan's a surname. And Fitz- oh, it's a surname, I, sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe two surnames, yeah, sort of thing. Uh, you're, so. you're missing, you're, you're forget. go ahead, but I think you're missing one interesting. Cody Walker. No, no, no. You, keep going. What what else? What other patterns do you see in the names here? Yeah, yeah. I sort of um, uh, the other thing is like I see sort of a bit of alliteration as well. Bradman Best, Heimel Hunt. Um, <laughs> you, you know, Tavita Tayala. Um, this is kind of said. There's a Mark Nichols. That's that's two first names, isn't it? So, um, you know, I've never I've never seen Jackson spelt with an X. Um, as Cam- well, Cameron Murray. Cam- <laughs> Cameron Murray, yeah, that's that's true. That's the one. You know? Look, but look, I think I think uh, <clears throat> I think Bradman Bess isn't just an alliteration. It's an it's a reference to a sporting champion yeah. in another field in another <laughs> sport. Yeah, you know? Don Bradman. Bradman's the best. That kind of thing. I think that's awesome. And you've got uh, you know you've got a king there, Josh King. Yeah, that's right. You've got a Shibasaki. Shibasaki, obviously representing the Japanese there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. No, I'm not yes. sure what that is actually, but uh, yeah, we need to find out. I've, not someone I know very much about. Yeah. But um, I know Kn Kala Mota Tangi. So uh, look, you know, f- f- look, forgive us for any sort of names that we sort of stuff up, but it's it's kind of interesting. Some of the you know just the just it is I suppose 2020 roster on both ends you know it's kind of um a lot of a lot of uh, young players and well done to the knights this year this is the first year in many years that they've actually made it to the finals um but unfortunately they're playing the wrong team here um <laughs> they're playing the rabbitos and the rabbitos yes uh yeah you've talked about cody walker i think cody walker is the key um for the rabbitos i think he's key for the whole game um you know the knights have a, a some big match experience too as well like obviously Prong has played in a couple of Origins. You know, Mitchell Pierce has won a premiership. Um, you know, that some of their forwards as well have played Origin as well. You know, Saifidi and, uh, you know, as well as um, David Clemmer as well. So there's there's quite a lot there that they've got uh, working for them. But I think the Rabbitohs have, have been there. And look, the thing that was, for me, the most positive out of the game against the Roosters is that the, yeah, they did do an interview with Cody Walker. And then, you know, he sort of, um, he sort of said something which is, it was really interesting. He goes, look, we know now that it's all it's it's a knockout for us. It's Southern death now till the end for us. So we have to play with that attitude. And uh, you know, he kind of he kind of really uh, you know they were sort of one week ahead of everybody else in terms of thinking, you know, having the right mentality towards the end of the season. And I actually think about Cody Walker and the history of Cody Walker. You know, you got to you, let's not forget this is a guy that made his debut at the age of twenty seven, right? And uh, he is kind of uh, famous for his uh, exploits in the Kuru knockout, which, you know, sort of first gave, um, you know, him prominence uh, enough for South Sydney to sort of sign him. And the Kuru knockout is a knockout competition. So if there's anybody who knows how to play, you know, sort of what's in front of you, a, you know, natural football, when uh, the catch plays are there, I think Cody Walker is almost perfect for that role. Um, and this is probably one of the biggest stages he's ever been able to showcase this. So, 
the Rabbitohs haven't had a very good. They've made the finals, you know, for a few years now, but they haven't really done much in the final series. Um, but I think this is their opportunity to step up. Um, and I think the Knights are just happy that they've that they finally got there in the end. Uh, but I think they're going to find out that as a team making it to the finals, it's another it's another level to try and become a team that is going to go all the way in the finals. And I think uh, and I think they're going to. I think it'll be a learning experience for them this year. Well done. And Tish, uh, I think I've found what the key ingredient is, no pun yes. intended, for what the Rabbitohs' success will be in the next few weeks. And no, it's not having master coach <clears throat> Wayne Bennett on your side. It is, of course, the MasterChef connection. We have number 18, Stephen Masters. <laughs> We have number nine, Damien Cook. Oh, my goodness. And we have number seven, Adam Reynolds. Obviously, the <laughs> Reynolds, obviously, dessert. The, the golden snitch. Oh, yes. Forget Reynolds. The golden, the golden oh, Reynolds, snitch. yeah, that's right. Excellent. Yeah. So, look. Are they even sponsored by uh, Channel 10? Look, let's not go there. <laughs> let's yeah. not go there. But, look, if that's a, the, the secret ingredient that they need to succeed, I think uh, they'll go all the way. Look, <clears throat> let's move on to the final tackle. Tackle number six. Look, we kind of already um, covered this. Did our tips anyway, but let's just recap. Panthers versus Roosters. We're both going for the Panthers. Sharks versus Raiders. We're both going for the Raiders. So we are both predicting that the Sharks' season will end. <clears throat> Storm versus Eels. We are split on this one and only this one. You're going for the Storm. I'm going for the Eels. Rabbitohs and Knights, we're both going for Rabbitohs. And look, so according to this, we're predicting the Sharks and the Knights will drop out. Uh, yeah. And really, the the top six will end up being the top six, which is kind of what we predicted. So <laughs> nothing unusual. Um, yeah. But I think what that means is, if all goes to plan, that uh, quite possibly... I might not be mistaken, but quite possibly we might be seeing in week two the Roosters maybe playing the Rabbitohs again, potentially. So I've got to double check that. But look, <laughs> we'll find out. If, we'll find out next week. Next time you hear us out there, you will know for sure because uh, it's hard to find an official line on this uh, on on the actual final series uh, makeup. But um, but yeah, it's going to be an exciting one either way. Um, and I think depending on, I think really the storm and the eels is the one that, that will, uh, really determine uh, whether, you know, which team plays who, um, mm. and, and so, um, yeah, it should be a good one. Uh, either way, it's going to be exciting. Cause I think the, these six teams are probably the, the best performing six teams uh, that we've seen all year. The if, Super Six. Super Six. Uh, but again, this is why they're predictions. We may be completely wrong. <laughs> so let's see what <laughs> happens. And we've certainly been surprised a few times this year. But those are our predictions. And I think we'll wrap it up there. Tish, if, uh, if there's nothing else, um, let's just remind everyone that they can catch us uh, on uh, via email at arrorepublic at gmail.com. Check us out on our website, arrorepublic.com. Uh, join our face, follow our Facebook page. Uh, join us or follow us on Twitter and also on iTunes as well. Uh, 
please get in contact with us if you have any ideas of things you want to talk about or uh, any feedback you want to give us. We're more than appreciative of anyone listening to us at all. We know we've got some fans over over the other part of the world, over there in the UK. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk more about uh, the UK Super League as the NRL kind of, uh, you know, gets to its final stages as well. Um, but, yeah, look, we're looking forward to next week. The finals are upon us finally in the NRL. It should be a bunch of good games. And, Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. Thank you, everyone, for listening out there. That's all the time that we have for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your host, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now. <laughs>